Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents for another Saturday morning here on Community Radio 3CR. It is Saturday, the 26th of November. We're taking you through to 9 30 this morning. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm James Barry. And coming up on today's program, in the second part of the program, I did another interview regarding the Santa Cruz massacre in East Timor in Dili.、Um, and so we'll be speaking with Elizabeth Arujo, who is one of the Organisers for a feeder union aid abroad.、Um, a feeder being the、um, union international organisation.、Um, And so we'll be speaking to her in the second part of the program just a bit about、uh, the anniversary of the massacre, but also、um, what is happening in East Timor at the moment. Big thank you to Annie McLaughlin for another wonderful Solidarity Breakfast show. And that track that you heard on the way out there was、um, New Shoes by the Bipolar Bears.、Um, and as Annie mentioned at the end of her show, and I'll mention now,、um, Asia Pacific Currents won't be broadcasting next. Saturday, because it is Disability Week.、Um, there'll be special、um, broadcasting that day.、Um, so do tune in, but it won't be your regular programming here at 3CR. But, James, of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links, and you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org. Uh, org.au. Of course,、um, if you have been going to our website, you'll notice that it's a bit crappy at the moment. We are revitalising、uh, and redeveloping that website, so、um, do stay tuned to that for the coming year.、Um, Uh, but you, in the meantime, you can find us on social media. So look us up on Facebook and Twitter. We're going to go to news from around the region. And although your number is number two, we might start with you, James. So, starting in China, where 38 workers have been killed in a warehouse fire. On Tuesday, 38 workers were killed and two others injured in a fire at a warehouse in Anyang City, Henan Province in China. The workers belong to Kaishinda, a wholesaler for chemical and other industrial goods. The fire was caused by welding sparks which ignited cotton cloth stored inside the building and raged for four hours and took more than 60 firefighters to extinguish. Several, several similar deadly fires at chemical storage sites in recent years in China have all followed a similar pattern complete disregard for worker safety with unsafe and often unlicensed storage of chemicals and other dangerous goods, leading to explosions. The incident highlights worker safety in China, where intense competition between state owned businesses and corruption have caused hundreds of death, deaths every year. And for those of you that have had some sleepless nights because you're up watching the soccer or football, depending on how you call it, appropriately, the Qatar World Cup has been overshadowed by worker deaths and protests. A FIFA World Cup, which kicked off in Qatar this week,、um, attracted a lot of criticism and solidarity for the estimated 6,500 foreign workers believed to have died due to unsafe and exploitative work conditions since Qatar won the right to. Host the event in 2010. The Qatari government responded by creating distractions, such as the last minute ban on the sale of alcohol in the stadiums and restrictions on public expressions of LGBTI identities or solidarity. 
These tactics are aimed at dividing workers by appealing to popular public opinion in Muslim countries regarding these issues and inciting Islamophobic reactions in Western countries. The Games themselves have not been without protests. The Iranian team refused to sing their national anthem and gave a lacklustre performance in their loss to England, apparently as an expression of solidarity with protests in Iran. An attempt by several sides to show solidarity with LGBTI communities with rainbow wristbands was quashed by when FIFA threatened to suspend any player who wore them. While the German team covered their mouths in their team photo to protest the gagging by FIFA. To Bangladesh now, where garment workers have gained international solidarity. This week, Canadian trade unions filed a complaint against Canadian Tyre for the treatment of Bangladesh garment workers employed by a subsidiary company, Marks. The executive director of Bangladesh Centre for Workers' Solidarity noted that most garment workers are not paid a living wage, despite expectations that they work up to 12 hours a day, six days a week. In issuing their complaint to the Canadian corporate watchdog, the head of the United Steelworkers Union said that Canadian Tyre is contravening international human rights standards as the Bangladeshi workers are unable to feed their families despite their gruelling work conditions. The poverty wages and unsanitary living conditions are deliberately maintained for the benefit of the company's profit margin. And violence escalates against protesters in Iran. Protests have continued in Iran against the mandatory veil for women, which began following the death of Jinnah Mahsa Amini at the hands of the morality police in September. This week, the Iranian military shelled the city of Mahabad in Iran's northwest, a city mostly populated by members of the Kurdish-speaking Sunni Muslim minority, after repeated protests. The escalation of violence to military action has mostly been seen in areas where minority groups from form the largest populations, especially Kurdish and Baluch areas. Kurdish areas in particular have been active in forming locally based neighbourhood committees to coordinate protests, which has drawn the wrath of the state. In other parts of the country, workers have taken strike action in solidarity. In the south of Iran, workers at the South Pars gas facility and the Masjid Air Soliman petrochemical factory walked off the job, as have workers in pipe and steel manufacturing in Khuzestan province. To Indonesia now, where death threats have been levelled at an Indonesian journalist. Journalisa, the chief editor of an online media outlet in Aceh, Kabargayo.com, was this week visited in the early morning by two project managers for the construction of a local market who threatened to murder the editor following the publication of an article outlining budgetary and scheduling inconsistencies on that project. Several labour organisations have declared their support and solidarity with Journalisa, including the Media and Creative Workers' Union for Democracy, or Sindikasi, the Alliance of Independent Journalists of Indonesia, or AJI, and the International Federation of Journalists. The freedom to publish has been under threat in Indonesia in recent months, with journalists facing intimidation and threats, often for reporting on local issues, uh, including uh, threats coming from government officials and police. Furthermore, as APC has brought you in July, the Parliament of Indonesia has sought to change defamation rules to apply prison sentences to those who slander the President, Vice President and other state authorities, as well as laws that effectively ban unauthorised protest, and these are mostly levelled at journalists. And now also... uh 
from China, police attack workers at the iPhone factory in China. We've brought you many stories about this Foxconn factory and, of course, the tensions continue to rise. Police have beaten workers at the Foxconn iPhone factory in Zhengzhou who had been protesting against lockdown working conditions. In recent months, the factory had responded to China's strict COVID lockdown restrictions by effectively locking down the workplace, meaning that workers were not able to go home. But the company also did not adequately provide the workers with food or safe conditions. After these workers walked off the job, the company, so as to meet their work quotas, hired scab labour on the promise of higher wages, which was about 3500 for two months to work in the factory. However, the company reneged on the pay deal and time limit of the contracts once the scab labour was put to work last Thursday, which was the cause of the protest this week. Of course, once you're a scab, once a company is prepared to hire scabs, of course they're going to screw over the scabs as well. So don't be a scab, but also good that the scabs walked off, James. Mm, Yes. Absolutely. Uh, That is news from around the region, some community announcements, and then our feature interview for the morning. If you're a charity or community group looking for office space or a co-working space, Ross House has rooms of different sizes available, from 15 metres squared to 100 metres squared at affordable prices. Many charity groups already call Ross House home, so if you're interested in joining a vibrant community or working towards social justice and environmental sustainability, please visit rosshouse.org.au or contact reception during office hours on 9650-1599. Ross House is a 3CR supporter. Australia's most iconic bike riding holiday, the Great Vic Bike Ride, is on from Saturday 26th of November to Sunday 4th of December. This rolling bike festival will have you pedalling along the beautiful Great Ocean Road, through the Otways and Golden Plains. Tickets include all meals, a camping spot, luggage transfers, daily entertainment and more. Sign up at www.greatvic.com.au Use promo code 3CR to get 10% off. Great Vic Bike Ride, a 3CR supporter. Tune in to Rest is Survival, 3CR's International Day of People with Disability broadcast on 3rd of December, 7am to 7pm, we're talking about the role of rest in the anti-capitalist revolution with programming by multiply marginalised disabled people and disabled broadcasters from the 3CR community. Visit 3cr.org.au forward slash Disability Day 2022. 
You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. It's 12 minutes past nine o'clock. We're going to go straight into our interview with Elizabeth Arujo. She's one of the um, organisers for AFIDA um, uh, Union Aid Abroad, and she's based in East Timor. And I did originally speak to her about the Santa Cruz massacre, uh, which was happened on the 12th of November, 1991. 91, yeah. Um, and the anniversary of that. But, of course, we spoke about a range of other issues. So here is Elizabeth. Of course, she starts off by introducing herself. Uh, thank you, Sister Jessie. My name is Elizabeth Lino de Rauzu. I'm a, I'm a 100% Timorese. I'm working uh, with Union Aid Abroad AFIDA based in Timor-Leste as a country manager. Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, of course, the 12th of November was the anniversary of the Dili Massacre, the Santa Cruz Massacre. It's a significant event on the calendar for East Timorese people. Um, tell me what, tell me about the Dili Massacre. Uh, in 12, uh, on 12th November 1991, uh, there was a protest by the youth, all the Timorese youth who were struggled for the independence of Timor-Leste from Indonesian because we we not recognize Indonesian Indonesia as as part of Timor's and they because we 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 have been independent we, our politicians have been declared our independence on November. 19, on 28th November 1975, and then Indonesia was invaded uh, Timor-Leste on the 6th and 7th of December uh, 1975. So on, uh, on 12th November 1991, uh, <clears throat> most of the youth, the Timorese youth who have struggled for independence, uh, commemorate the one week of the death of Sebastian Gomez, the, the, the young man who was struggling for independence, being killed by Indonesian military brutally uh, at the church, Matayal Church. And uh, on November 12th, uh, because he was being shot by the military, Indonesian military, on the 28th of, of October uh, 1991, and then 12th. November 1991, all the youth they have uh, uh, commemorated the one week as uh, as Timor culture. Uh, once someone passed, and then on that day, uh, the Indonesian military attack attack the the Timorese, the the young generations, the young peoples that are fighting for independence. Uh, they attack them in the in the Santa Cruz. Uh, Santa Cruz Cemetery, uh, which the youth they they have a peace loan march from Motayel Church towards to uh, Santa Cruz Cemetery. That's why the Indonesian military is not happy with that because there's a lot of banners, a lot of protests during the the peace march from Motayel Church to Santa Cruz. That's why the Indonesian military sought uh, sought Timorese. Uh, uh, youth on that. So that's why up, uh, once we independence, uh, our parliament and the government recognized the 12th November as the uh, commem- uh, as the uh, commemorations 
of the young, uh, the the youth, the Timorese National Youth Timorese Day. And the the massacre itself was a watershed moment in the struggle for liber for liberation of East Timor. Why was it so significant at the time? And um, more so towards, you know, like liberation was eight years later. Um, how did that event work to actually push the movement forward? Yeah, uh, the 12th November actually is we call that as a, it, it, it was actually massacre. But in uh, for my 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 re own reflection is that that is the the struggle of the young the youth peoples of Timorese, male and female, who will struggle for independence. And and it was happened, uh, that it, it was happened because there is a, a human rights violence because uh, Indonesian military is not happy with the protest, with, with the peace protest. So that's why they brutally, and uh, it was brutally, and it was being recorded by Max Lau, who was already passed away. So Max Lau recorded this and then hiding the tape, and then it's been, uh, it's been uh, broadcasted by, 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 by the televisions uh, in 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 internationally. That's why we have the UN have the proof that actually there is a lot of. Uh, human rights violation because on the 12th November 1991 is a lot of youth being killed by Indonesian military. The you know you talked a little bit about the role of the Catholic Church. The the procession was to yes. a Catholic church and the church has provided a lot of sanctuary okay. to um the liberation fighters. Can you tell me a little bit about the role of the Catholic Church more broadly in the struggle for independence? Yeah, in in, in Indonesian time during the struggle for 24 years, the Catholic Church play a significant role in that process. Uh, once they uh, once the youth, the young men and young uh, uh, women that they feel like they was being threatened by the Indonesian military, they the 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 the, the, the secure place, the safe place for them is that we need to hide in at the church, is the Catholic church, and then all the parish priests they they protect the young young peoples because once they hide in there and then the Indonesian military will not go and attack. But in reality, on the 28th November, 28 October 1991, the Indonesian military is, is it, it's killed, it's shot the young, 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 young man, Sebastian, in the, in, in Motayel, at the Motayel church. So uh, during the struggles, as, as, as you all know that the, uh, the Catholic church, the, Priests and the nurses, they 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 play their role is very significant. On that day, in 12 November, uh, Bishop Bello as our hero that uh, he went to the Santa Cruz and then to talk with the the head of the commander, Indonesian Indonesian military, Indonesian police. Uh, there that yes, this is my my young peoples and my people. So. Uh, respect them and consider them. That is how they want that uh, they they have the right to protest uh, to protest Indonesian militaries that brutally kill their friends. And it is now some 
23 years since liberation and we know that under occupation East Timor was one of the poorest provinces of Indonesia. Mm -hmm. How have the people moved forward since that uh, since 1999 when um, when East Timor broke free from Indonesia? Yeah once we 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 free from Indonesia post the referendum, once we hear the, the result from the United Nations, that majority of Timor-Leste wants independence. And since that, we feel we have the freedom. We have freedom now. And, um, and we think like, you know, this is the payment for us, for for beans, uh, every, everyone's, Think like this is this is we have our own country because we're not feeling uh, feeling free uh, during the invaded invade in Indonesia invaded to Timor Leste in seventy five. So uh, at that at that we are very free country, and since nineteen ninety nine up to now, and if you could look at the freedom of the expression, Timor Leste is uh, number one within the Southeast Asia country. We are better than other countries. So that's why it makes us proud as a young uh, young generations that uh, we are suffering during the struggle uh, for 24 years being with Indonesia. So we feel like, you know, we are the most, uh, even like as a civil society organizations, I can say to you that many meetings that I attend, uh, there is a peer on the on the board that you know Timor Leste uh, as the best country in the Southeast Asia in terms of the freedom of expression. Well, the the task of um, nation building is very very difficult, and obviously you've talked about um, some of the amazing achievements of the East Timorese people. But w- tell me, where where is this exercise of nation building at? You know what a um, you know, you and I have spoken before. There were recent elections in East Timor. Um, what are some of the uh, major issues facing East Timorese workers and um, building of infrastructure, healthcare systems, education? Yeah, at the moment, we we as a civil society organizations, uh, we struggle for that. Uh, that you know, the government, uh, the government, and state budgets have to reflect. Uh, reflect to the infrastructure, reflect to agriculture sector, reflect on the uh, reflect on the health systems need to be improved, and they need to invest a lot of money into that because as a new country, uh, we need like to to develop the country. We already independent, so now to we our uh, our task is that uh, develop this country into be the. Uh, the good country and the uh, the developed country more better and more the peoples can feel like yes we're free now but we need to be free and we need to develop our country to be become a better country in in, in the world that is not easy as as uh, as we have events we have like only one point one point two one point three. Uh, populations in in Timor Leste, but uh, uh, reflect to the uh, the GDP of Timor Leste 
and then look at the uh, challenge that being Timor-Leste been facing. And as you mentioned that about the workers, yes, uh, of course, the workers issue is the uh, the very uh, what do you call the very important because uh, there is a law, there is a labor law number four slash two thousand twelve, but actually. Uh, it needs to be socialized by the government to the employers, and then also uh, the workers also need to understand about the labor uh, the labor law itself. There are lots of challenges by the Timor Leste unions in Timor Leste to 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 fight for the workers' right. I really am not understanding why people aren't seeing the fact that prisons are an integral part of a public health response to a pandemic. Like you, I'm really concerned about whether the data is being released very honestly about illnesses within prison. I have suspicions it's not, but really we need very strong leadership in this country that actually cares about people inside, our most vulnerable populations inside. That's what we need and that's not what we're getting right now. We need to keep radical voices on air Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. It is 25 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents with Giselle and James. And that does bring us to the end of the show. That interview you just heard was Elizabeth Arujo. She is the East Timor organiser for a feeder com- uh, union aid abroad. Um, <clears throat> just a reminder, we're not going to be back next Saturday. It is Disability Day. I will um, play an announcement about Disability Day in a moment. Uh, but we will be back the following week and we're in the final countdown for the year. Our last show is the Saturday, the 19th of December. So we'll do a wrap up of uh, news and stories from the year on that show. But do stay tuned to Palestine Remembered, which is coming up next and stay tuned to 3CR for the rest of the weekend. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm James Barry. 